Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Coach Man. What an interesting week we had in the Premier League. And we'll talk about two games here. We'll talk about Manchester United versus Tottenham and Villa versus Liverpool. What exactly happened? Well, before the game, I mean, obviously, Mourinho going against United is always uh, uh, <laughs> a thing to see, right? Uh, you always look forward to to, to hear uh, what he has to say, you know, in the press conferences before and after the game. But uh, this looked like a very, very interesting um, battle at the beginning. And it didn't start very well for Tottenham. 30 seconds in, they conceded a penalty. It was a one-two play. Uh, give and go play with uh, Martial playing off Rashford. Martial getting a penalty, being fouled by uh, Sanchez, the central defender uh, in Tottenham. Bruno Fernandes converts the chance, and Manchester United are on to a flying start. Uh, fourth minute, after a horrendous mistake by Harry Maguire, which won't be um, his last one, and again, controversial figure. Um, in and out of the game, he's 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 all over the place. I have no idea how and who suggested to get this player uh, in Man United, but the fans are pretty upset. Uh, the performances are not there, and honestly, it's it's just going from bad to worse, bad to worse. He issued out a tweet saying that, "Oh, this is an embarrassment," and. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you need to play according to the money that they spent on you. You're disrespecting the team and you're disrespecting your, your teammates, your coaches, and you're disrespecting the fans uh, by playing like this. So in the fourth minute, horrendous, horrendous mistake. He tried to get a header back to the keeper that was short, right? Gets intercepted. Goal, Tonaham. Seventh minute. Maguire fouls Kane in the middle of the field. But he doesn't notice that Son is making a run behind him. Kane plays a through ball for Son. Maguire doesn't track back in time. Son is a one-on-one situation versus De Gea. Finishes beautifully. Again, Maguire with a mistake. 2-1 Tottenham at this point. 29th minute. And we'll, we'll stay here for a little while and, and talk about what exactly happened here. 29th minute, Lamella puts his arm, puts his forearm actually in Martial's face. You can see it on a replay. He, he put, pushes Martial in his face. Then Martial just gently slaps him back on the chin, just like you would do, you know, to one of your buddies. And Martial gets a red card for that. I think this is absolutely outrageous. And <laughs> one for the, one one word for this would be ridiculous. We, when you have VAR in place to to go over these decisions, how can you actually support uh, the ref with that red card on Martial? I mean, what what are we doing here? Like it wasn't. There wasn't a, a, there wasn't an intent to like knock him out or anything. It was just a, a tap, if you want to call it that. It was just barely anything. This, um, I have no words. I'm I'm really really disappointed that 
And there's there's some red cards this week that were given in other games as well that didn't make absolutely no sense. And I understand with these new rules, uh, any contact that is meant to harm the player is going to get um, a red card. But still, we're getting at, at a place where it's play, pretty hilarious and uh, really disheartening. I seriously encourage you to watch the replay. Um, watch it on YouTube. There's 50,000 videos with Martial's red card. And the more I watch it, the more I just don't understand how can you give Martial a red card. But that was, don't get me wrong, uh, of course... It changes things um, from a stand from a tactical standpoint. Solskjaer didn't change absolutely anything after the red card, which has has to tell you something. Has to tell you something, right? But Marshall's red card wasn't the only thing that went wrong. It was it was everything else. Moving on, thirty first minute. Bailly tries to play a ball to Matic in their own box. They get intercepted. Harry Kane finishes. 37th minute of the game. Harry Maguire again. He gets out of the position on a left flank. Son gets behind him again, receives the pass, and finishes one more time. Another mistake. It is simply not acceptable at this level to make these silly mistakes, to give someone like Son so much space over and over again, you know he's going to finish. You know he's going to finish. You can't absolutely... That's that's not even like championship-level defending. That's like basic school-ground defending that Harry Maguire doesn't do. 51st minute. Juan Bissaka doesn't close down Aurier. He lets him get too close to the goal. Shoots perfectly at the far post. Beats the hair. Um, all these goals and, and the way that Tottenham was constructing their attacks were coming off 1-2s playing outside of the box and United defenders getting beat over and over again in the same matter. Not tracking back, not closing down their opponents soon enough. Um, 78th minute, fan favorite, quote-unquote, Pogba. <laughs> Started the game, of course. Um, nothing to say about his performance, really. Uh, below average, just like in his past a lot of games. Uh, not to bash on him too much, but honestly, he has underperformed uh, for quite some time. But anyway, 78th minute, he commits a clear foul inside the box on Ben Davis. Kane converts, makes it 6-1 to one for Spurs. Um, Mourinho hum humiliates United, and he'll be extremely happy with the performance. I have no idea what's going on in United. Um, <laughs> I'm baffled. Most of these goals could have been prevented, but poor defending one more time makes the difference. It's as simple as that. If they would have defended more intelligently, it wouldn't have been 6-1. It would have been 3-1. It would have been 4-1, but not 6-1. Luke Shaw was interviewed after the game and said the performance wasn't embarrassing. 
And uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said, you don't win football games making individual errors and having a performance like that. Well, totally agree. But it is alarming. Uh, he also said that it, it is alarming and not good enough. And he played a squad that's not good enough for Man United. Uh, hints that he didn't get a transfer some of the players that he wanted in the transfer window and uh, some of the supporters are asking him to get sacked and well fast forward a couple days later at the transfer deadline he did get a left back he did get Cavani a striker and he got two youngsters as well is that going to be enough um, Alex Telles as a left back of course he's going to be the starter uh, Luke Shaw is not going to see too many minutes anymore. Um, Cavani up front. Absolutely, they sure need a pure striker. Is Cavani going to solve Manchester United's problems? No, not really, because they still need a central defender. A really strong, solid central defender that they haven't had in a long time since the pairing of Chris Malling and Phil Jones. And moving on to those days... It's been pretty, pretty bad for United. I mean, the last time United had a very, very good and probably the best defensive pair in a Premier League was Rio Ferdinand and Vidic. Simple as that. But uh, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the right man for the job? Well, the problem at Manchester United is still not solved. And Ole will definitely not do it, unfortunately. I, I don't believe he can. It's a much more complex uh, situation that not even Mourinho, very experienced coach, that he went through a lot. Um, it's a puzzle that requires a, <laughs> a miracle, maybe. Uh, what what would be a solution? Maybe a massive exodus of players? Uh, you know, in his interview, in his post-interview, Ole was asked what needs to be done to fix this, and he really didn't give a, a clear-cut answer. I believe that United need a very experienced coach, which they did had in the past. They had pre a lot of, you know, Van Gaal was an experienced coach, right? Uh, Mourinho was an experienced coach. Uh, they can all rule with an iron fist, but um, there's something very wrong. Um, Mourinho was said that his dream job was to coach Manchester United. And once he got there, he... He was very, very, very disappointed um, in what he found and the communication that he had with the club in general was not perfect. And you can you can see it in the interviews, interviews today that his time in Manchester United, um, he, he came out at press conferences and reiterated several times that if we win something with this team is going to be a miracle. And he was right. The, the problems there are long-standing and there must be some deeply rooted issues that Manchester United have to have to deal with, whether it's somebody or uh, the management, leadership. Uh, definitely some of the players are not Manchester United caliber. If you think about the Manchester United team that used to win the Premier League almost every year, you don't have those players... Um, available and when you do get some good quality players they don't play they don't confirm they 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 get slumped in that losing mentality that they've been in for quite some time now and 
I don't know what what is uh, what is going to be the outcome. Jose post game said uh, that it was an honor to win like that at Old Trafford, and uh, <laughs> too bad there were no fans for him. But um, he was asked about the red card, of course, and like any good manager would say, uh, he pretty much said that uh, he replied by saying, "I did not see it." <laughs> Classy manager answer. Um, that's what you need to say all the time, even if you think that it was. And I'm pretty sure, deep down, honestly, he thinks that it was, it was a, a pretty bad call. But he also said that United should have got at least two red cards because of the tackles that happened on the field. And yeah, there were, there were a few, there were a few tackles here and there that were really strong. And um, I'm not sure I agree with them there. He also said that he sympathizes with Ole because of the result, but he said that he imagines that he won't sleep well tonight. Um, he also made a sarcastic comment as as well that went unnoticed. Uh, he said that they made good transfer and I'm, uh, transfers, and I'm pretty sure he was referring to Maguire here. And he also mentioned that if Cavani lands in United, which we now know he did, is going to be a good thing for them. But let's let's remember that he also said that this club needs massive, massive changes. He wanted to restructure the club and the management didn't support him on that. And there you go. There you go. These are the results. Moving on to Aston Villa versus Liverpool. Ross Barkley starts for the first time for Villa since he moved from Chelsea. There was a change in goal for Liverpool. Adrian started uh, in goal instead of Allison, who unfortunately has a shoulder injury. Uh, he got injured in training. Uh, that is going to keep him out of action for at least six weeks. He's going to miss Brazil qualifying games. And it is a huge, huge loss for both his national team, Brazil, as well as Liverpool. Um, on the Liverpool side, Joel Matip, Mane, Thiago, and Axelay Chamberlain are still injured. And the game started very, very poorly for Liverpool in the fourth minute. A poor pass by Adrian, the goalkeeper, gets intercepted. Ollie Watkins scores his first goal of the season. Remember the name, folks. Ollie Watkins. 23rd minute, second goal for Ollie Watkins, the new striker that Villa got in this transfer window. Due to a superb individual action and an even better finish, top corner, he promises to be a great transfer for Villa, and he made it 2-0. 33rd minute, Salah scores his 100th goal in a Premier League after the ball trickles down to him in the box and puts Liverpool on the board. At this point, it was 2-1 for Villa. 35th minute, McGinn scores from outside of the box following a corner kick. The ball got deflected and Adrian had no choice, makes it 3-1 for Villa. In this game, deflections are going to play a huge part of the game. 39th minute, after having success playing long balls in, Villa have a free kick around 40 yards. 
get a long cross in and Watkins finishes it off. Solid header completes his hat-trick 4-1 for Villa. 55 minutes. Ross Barkley, after missing on a few occasions, he finally gets his goal. The ball gets a deflection once again. Adrian had no chance. At this point, it was 5-1 for Villa. Five minutes later, in the 60th minute, through ball by Firmino, finds Alain a good spot, finishes it, makes it 5-2 for Villa. In a 66 minute, six minutes later, Watkins plays it off to Grealish, shoots from just outside of the box. The ball gets another deflection, goes in and makes it 6-2 for Aston Villa. At this point, this is unbelievable. Please look at the replay. There were some massive deflections there that were so unfortunate for Adrian, the goalkeeper. Um, he did he did commit a huge error in the fourth minute with his poor pass, but everything else, he really couldn't do anything. But that was not it. Because in the 75th minute, Liverpool is caught on a counterattack. Grealish scores on a one-on-one situation versus Adrian and makes it 7-2. 7-2, folks. What an incredible game. Liverpool, in all honesty, got really unlucky. Uh, but Villa played really, really smart. They had more chances. They had the clearer chances. And they simply deserved to win regardless of the three deflected balls that were just, you know pinball type of thing and even after the game club summed it up perfectly by saying <laughs> wow <laughs> wow is right but he did give Villa the credit they deserve in a post-game interview humble in victory humble in defeat what a great manager club is and I'm pretty sure this is uh, this is just a bump in the road um, I don't think I don't think um, Liverpool have anything to worry about so far it was a pretty bad defeat, but I mean, an unlucky night like that when you have three deflected balls by your defender going in the goal, it doesn't happen every single week. So I, I think they'll just be fine. But yeah, those were the two main, 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 main uh, games in a Premier League and huge surprises. I mean, who would have thought Aston Villa to put on a beating on Liverpool and then Tottenham to humiliate Manchester United 6-1 after being one down uh, really, really early in the first minute, basically, of the game and coming back and winning the game 6-1 to at Old Trafford. That, that was a pretty spectacular week of Premier League football. Moving on to Serie A. Apparently, Napoli was not given the medical clearance to travel to Torino. And Juve will get a 3-0 victory for failure to appear. So, the game got scheduled, obviously, a long, 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 long time ago. Napoli was, to play, was supposed to play Juve. They had, um, I think, one or two players that got infected by COVID and they were not given the medical clearance as a team to travel to Torino. 
and Juve will get a 3-0 victory for failure to appear. This is a unique situation because, you know, we're talking about the games that are played in the COVID era, and I'm not sure I agree with this decision because they didn't really have a choice. Two Napoli players tested positive, and the whole team is under quarantine, obviously. Um, De Laurentiis, who was Napoli's president, called Andrea Agnelli, his counterpart, and asked them to postpone the game. But Agnelli responded that Juve will follow the rules, and if we don't, we are failing as citizens, rather as sportsmen, or something to that extent. Um, I'm not sure I really agree with with what's going on, but apparently um, there is a rule in Serie A that says that if you have... 10 or more players that um, get infected in one week, you can actually ask to postpone a game. Now, if it's less than 10 players, I guess you lose the game by 3-0 because you have to quarantine. Um, and this has happened in a game that was supposed to get played in turn as well. Genoa versus Torino, where Genoa reported 14 players and staff infected with COVID. Now, Serie A does have that rule that I just told you about. And they have the right for one postpone postponement, as far as I know. Only one. But anyway, a pretty sad comment made by Agnelli. I'm pretty disappointed. I really wanted to to see that game. You've actually posted their starting lineup knowing that Napoli is not going to make it uh, in Turin because they were not medically cleared. Legally, they were not allowed to travel. But they still posted a lineup <laughs> and did everything by the book. And these three points, well, you know what? It could be crucial in the battle for the title. Like last year, I believe they got really lucky that Lazio stumbled uh, in the last five to six games. And um, it could have been a different outcome to the season. Now, uh, with these three points, I'm, I'm not sure I, I do agree with these rules. And I think uh, something needs to change because when you're not allowed to travel and your whole team is placed under quarantine, um, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Moving on to Lazio versus Inter. It finished at a 1-1 draw. Really, really interesting game. Martinez gets on a score sheet and uh, Milinkovic-Savic scored as well. Vidal made his debut for Inter. It had to be a controversial one, of course. He fouled the Mobile and then um, while he was down, he rushed over to him and yelled something at him and then Mobile got really angry and he uh, slapped him on his face <laughs> uh, he fell right into Vidal's trap and Immobile gets a red card and that's how you provoke a red card ladies and gentlemen um, I really can't believe that a professional like Immobile couldn't keep his cool and got sent off in a very very important derby um in the 86 minute, Sensi, a Milan player, gets sent off after pushing Patrick into the touchline. This is another red card that I have no idea 
what the ref was thinking here. I truly believe that VAR should get involved here because um, you have VAR, use it, basically. Uh, ridiculous red card, please look it up on YouTube. Uh, Sensi red card, Milan against uh, Inter. I mean, uh, Inter against Lazio. Um, he barely pushed Patrick, but the player went down like he was just knocked out by a head kick or something. It was absolutely insane. I think uh, these cards should be reviewed on a spot by VAR because it's getting ridiculous and we can't accept these terrible calls once we have VAR. I think they should do a better job in reviewing these silly calls and you can't just simply issue a red card every time the players touch each other. I think both teams lost here. <laughs> both teams lost uh, two points here, but Inter would be the more disappointed side because they couldn't take advantage when Immobile was eliminated a little bit earlier on in the game. Moving on to La Liga. Earlier this week, Barcelona once against Celta 3 to nothing. Even though they had a great card against Longlet, um, Ansu Fati getting on the score sheet as well. I mean, what a player, but... Uh, they couldn't pull the three points after being held off by Sevilla. Uh, Serginho Dest made his debut, the new transfer. And uh, he made his debut in a left-back position, not in the right-back position, which he originally played. Um, Luke de Jong got on a score sheet after a nice long-range effort. Uh, but in the 10th minute, Coutinho made it 1-1 after a superb pass by Messi. Uh, Coutinho, of course, he came back from Bayern and uh, used as a starter for this game. Griezmann, well, he felt impressed once more, but Kuman said that he needs encouragement. So if you look at Griezmann's stats from 2013 to 2018, while he was at Atletico Madrid, he never scored under 20 goals in a season. This is the type of performance that Barcelona... Um, were were aroused by last season in 47 games he scored only 14 goals and had only four assists i mean he competes with hazard as one of the worst transfers by these two uh giant clubs you look at hazard's last season 30 appearances six goals and five of them were from for belgium <laughs> he had 11 assists seven of those were for belgium in la liga 16 games one goal three assists that's really sad. And of course, both players had experienced injuries. And most recently, Hazard has been plagued uh, in particular by all kinds of injuries. But that's not the only problem. Um, a lot of newspapers in Spain are reporting uh, <laughs> that Hazard is coming back to the club after a long period of time. Like, you know, in between seasons. Um, and he's, he's coming in... Uh, overweight by quite some pounds i mean there are pictures out there showing him unfit gaining weight and that attitude is not going to get him more fans in the bundesliga we had uh, dortmund going back to winning ways a four to nothing win over freiburg and leipzig won four zero against schalke um also this uh this week marked the end of the transfer market which, of course, was predominantly about Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona, which he ended up in not leaving Barcelona, although he really wanted to force his way out of there. 
but the club wasn't willing to let him go for cheap. Uh, They still had that 800 million transfer clause, which Messi and his team said it was not the case, but it really was the case. Therefore, he remained at Barcelona, but it attracted uh, a massive exodus because what I believe really happened here, one more time, I think that Messi... Uh, really, really wanted to leave, and his friends Vidal and Rakitic and Suarez, all of them who left Barcelona, they declared their intention to leave as well. And guess what? Barcelona actually gave them up. Uh, they gave up Semedo as well. Uh, they got back Coutinho, of course, after his loan in um, in Bayern, um, where he actually uh, scored a goal in that infamous eight to two loss. Um. In this transfer window, I believe that uh, Everton got a really good deal after transferring James Rodriguez, already scoring, playing really well. Um, Jose Mourinho getting uh, Gareth Bale on loan. We'll see how that works out for him. Uh, They have to get him to 100% uh, game fitness, and from there on, we'll see. I'm pretty sure that He'll be used as a striker or as a as a winger. He's uh, pretty fluid from that standpoint, and we'll see how uh, how we'll gel in uh, with the rest of the guys. But um, Tottenham have a really good thing going for him, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if actually Bale starts playing really really well because he has a lot to prove because he was playing mostly golf while in Madrid and getting paid really good money for it. So. Might as well, right? Uh, And Juventus, last, uh, I think, yeah, it was right before the transfer window closed. They got in Federico Chiesa, a young Italian promising star, and they loaned Douglas Costa back to Bayern. Uh, I think that that's not too bad for him. That's not too bad for him. Right now, the hottest team on the planet is Bayern Munich that wins pretty much every competition that they play in. So I truly, truly, truly believe that uh, uh, Douglas Costa is going to do just fine. Uh, We had Suarez move into Atletico Madrid. I think that move uh, will suit him just fine. And also, uh, Frank Lampard and Chelsea spent... (laughs) <laughs> well over 200 million to get in players as Timo Werner, Kai Harvitz, Hakim Ziyech, Diago Silva, Ben Chilwell, and Edward Mendy. Really, really, really good transfers. Um, I'll be highly surprised if any of these players uh, end up in not confirming because Timo Werner... <laughs> What a quality player you got in him. Uh, Kai Harvard, young, hungry, uh, really, really good players as well. Hakim Ziyech, really creative midfielder. Thiago Silva, a veteran. He did make a mistake as a as a captain of Chelsea, but don't, don't get fooled. This guy, he still has it, and he's going to be very solid in the center of the defense. Ben Chilwell. Of course, playing in the Premier League for so many years, I mean, uh, how can he not do well? And Edwin Mendy, a goalkeeper, I mean, absolutely. Um, 
Frank Lampard was given uh, <laughs> a pot of gold here and he definitely uh, took it out and spent it on pretty much everything that uh, he wanted. And I'm, I, he got a really, really good team. Absolutely a really good team. I, I truly believe that Chelsea, they're going to be a contender for the title this season, even though they had a few, uh, you know, stumbles here and there. But uh, once once their players go to 100% fitness, I'm pretty sure that uh, everything everything's going to move into their favor. And talking about money being spent, well, uh, since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson retired to Manchester United, uh, they have spent over $400 million on defenders, and they have got absolutely nothing in return. And let me explain. Harry Maguire, uh, most expensive defender ever, proven to be uh, very problematic in and outside of the pitch, really poor defending, doesn't even defend at championship level. Um, I have no idea, no idea why Harry Maguire is performing that poor, uh, but it is not acceptable, not when you're the most expensive defender on the planet. You should really play like one. Uh, Moving on to Aaron Wan-Bissaka. This actually may turn into a very, very good transfer. He could be the next Antonio Valencia for uh, Manchester United. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Uh, they got uh, Eric Bailey, which again, <laughs> plagued by injuries. Um, when you have him, he's good. He can be a solid defender, but a lot of the times he's just injured. Uh, they bought Luke Shaw from Southampton. Again, another miss. They bought uh, Victor Lindelof from Benfica. Definitely not good enough. Diogo Dalot, definitely not good enough. Marcos Rojo, another fail. Mateo Darmian, another fail. Daily Blind, another fail. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of money. A lot of money on transfers that really never worked out. And don't get me wrong, like even in the Alex Ferguson era, there were transfers that were poor. But then again, he had a lot of winners, major winners. So back in the day, right, Rio Ferdinand was the most expensive transfer uh, as a defender for over $50 million. Bought by Ferguson, uh, coming off from Leeds. And this was done in 2002, and he was the most expensive defender on the planet for years. Now, can you compare Rio Ferdinand to Harry Maguire? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, Ferdinand is a legend of, of the game, a legend for Manchester United and a legend for England. Him and Vidic, that, that pair for United just did wonders. Uh, moving on. Uh, one of the biggest and probably uh, the biggest flop of uh, Sir, Al uh, Sir Alex's career was getting uh, Verón, Juan Sebastián Verón, if you can remember, uh, from Lazio. Horrendous, horrendous couple of seasons in Manchester United. Um, but he had a lot of winners like Dimitar Berbatov, like Wayne Rooney, like Robin Van Persie, which he got from Arsenal. Of course, he was 
He was really hot when he came from Arsenal, but still confirmed. Ruud van Nistelrooy when he bought him from PSV. Michael Carrick when he bought him from the Spurs. Nani when he bought him from Sporting Lisbon. Uh, of course, <laughs> needless to say. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, David De Gea. Uh, Antonio Valencia proved to be uh, one of the best right, right backs at the time. Uh, Ashley Young, another solid player. Luis Saha when he bought him from Fulham. Carlos Tevez, um, Diego Forlan from Independiente in Argentina, Nemanja Vidic from Spartak Moscow. Need I keep going? Of course, he had, you know, flops like um, like Veron and uh, and Anderson, of course, and Bebe. But honestly, he had a lot of winners as well, and that's. That's what uh. That's what uh they they do need right now. They do need a, a restructuring of the entire club and let some of the players go and play for for teams uh that don't have any ambitions or teams that will fight for a relegation spot and uh, get the best talent because they've been spending a lot of money at all the wrong places. Um. That concludes this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in the next one.